Welcome to the Lost Stone Podcast. My name is Scott. I'm Jeremiah. And we're back for episode 35. That's right. In this cold, brisk October. Halloween's on its way and we're excited. I know. It smells like October. It feels like October. It looks like October. And uh, God damn it, if we uh, haven't lined up some pretty cool horror-related stuff for you. Now, first off, I guess we have to say uh, we promised an interview with Joseph Citro last week, who is kind of like a... I guess uh, like a New England folklore, uh, ghost story, Vermont enthusiast. horror author, Stephen uh, King of Vermont. He unfortunately wasn't able to uh, sit down with us. He had something come up and uh, unfortunately things didn't work out there. So we scrambled and we actually were able to uh, bring you yet uh, another pretty awesome interview, uh, horror related, of course. Um, somebody we've had on the line and was luckily uh, available to do this, um, Vincent Guastini of uh, VGP uh, Effects. Yep. Um, right? And uh, it's an effects-based an effects company. He does uh, makeup and special effects. He's uh, uh, Oscar and Emmy-nominated. Uh, his company, he works with plenty of people, I'm sure. Um, and you might know him from, uh, I mean, most recently he's done Infliction. Um, that's actually how we were hooked up with him was through uh, the director of Infliction, kind of hooked us up with this guy. Um, and, uh, Cabin Fever, Patient Zero, if you haven't seen that, uh, especially pay attention to the effects, really awesome, and upcoming, actually, October 23rd? 23rd, yeah. it, uh, VHS Viral, which you've probably heard about through the, uh, through the interwebs. Yeah, and his, uh, credits go on from there. He's been in the industry for a long time and has made a big name for himself. He worked on the Super Mario Brothers movie, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Child's Play 3, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Dogma, Virus, Man on the Moon, Green Hornet, Watchmen, Langoliers, Saturday Night Live, uh, Silent Night, I Am Legend, Sons of Our Fathers, Letters from Iwo Jima, and Requiem for a Dream, just to name a few. That's just to name a few. You go to his, uh, I think actually, did you mention SNL, right? I did, You did, right? Uh, Because that's actually one of his Emmy nod was, uh, um, and actually I think we will go into that in in detail in the interview as well, but his Emmy nod was actually for some prosthetics uh doing for mostly i think will ferrell in the yeah, SNL. yeah so yeah. anyway without further ado here is vincent guastini thank you vincent for talking with us today on lost at home podcast how are you i'm great how are you i'm awesome thanks um it's really awesome having you on we uh you know gotta be honest we were hooked up uh with you through the director of infliction um who sent you our way and us you uh us your way um, and yeah, uh, Jack Thomas Smith, and uh, we just want to say thank you to him on air because it was really nice of him to uh, connect us. And uh, we uh, we actually went on IMDb and checked out a lot of your credits and went on your uh, website to see what else you've done. And we were actually a little bit blown away we were going to be able to talk to you because we are fans of a ton of the stuff that you've done we didn't even realize, oh, thanks, actually. Guys. So, um, so how did you, you get uh, started in the uh, industry, by the way? Um, well, um, it started with, uh, watching movies and, um, you know, watching lots and lots and lots of films, um, as a kid and, um, and my father taking me to 42nd street and seeing a lot of the, um, chop Saki movies, Bruce, Bruce Lee movies, Godzilla movies, Ray Harryhausen movies, um, uh, 2001 space odyssey. Um, and so it just really started with watching films and eventually that curiosity, uh, turned into me wanting to do something creative. So 
you know, I picked up a ball of clay and I started experimenting. And as I got older, um, I got better at sculpting. And um, at a certain age, I found out about a man named Dick Smith who did The Exorcist, who was living in Larchmont, New York at the time. And I started sending him stuff. And um, he started referring me to certain jobs that were going on or certain people that needed help. And so there was a man named John Dodds who was doing this low-budget movie in the area. And I hooked up with him, and I built his shop and um, and uh, his ovens, and and I was his assistant, and I started sculpting, and I still and I just stayed in touch with Dick, and everything started opening up, just being in touch with the Oscar winner Dick Smith, who uh, you know, like I said, did The Exorcist and Amadeus, and. And a bunch of movies, um, Altered States, and, um, you know, was was basically the uh, the Lon Chaney of our era, who was living in Larchmont, New York, which was only an hour or so away from me. Uh, I was in, living in Jersey City at the time. And the more stuff I sent him, the more impressed he got, and the more he critiqued. And then I just decided, you know, from reading, you know, magazines and articles about shops in L.A. and studios in L.A., I decided I'm just going to open up a makeup effect shop of my own and move out of my basement. And so I went into a storefront in New Jersey, around Jersey City State College, and I opened up my own business. And Dick Smith started referring me to clients that were in the New York, New Jersey area. And I started working on low-budget movies, uh, basically you know, cutting my teeth on that stuff. And then um, the big break came when um, – a makeup artist who does all the Harry Potter movies. Um, at that point, he wasn't doing those then, but his name was Nick Dudman, and they had an entire English crew um, uh, working on a film called Last of the Mohicans out in North Carolina. So Dick uh, referred me to Nick Dudman, who needed a crew, and I got on the crew, and then Nick was having problems with the producers. And decided to leave. And at that point, I've already proven myself in the lab. And he said, listen, I got this young guy here. He's done some movies in New York, uh, some low-budget stuff, some TV stuff with Dick Smith. He has his own crew out of New York. Um, I think it would behoove you to leave this kid um, on and have him be in charge and take over the show. And so thanks to Nick Dudman. Um, uh, he, uh, he told the producers that, and the producers weren't stupid. They wanted somebody that already knew the effects and they also wanted somebody that's going to work pretty, is going to work cheaper than the man they already hired. So, um, they, uh, they kept me on and I brought in my crew from New York who were also up and comers and starting out, but they had some credits and, um, and they came on board and was my crew. And I took over a, a studio Hollywood movie in my 20s uh, doing Last Mohicans and having Michael Mann, who was, you know, one of my favorite directors at the time, because all I, I heard was the, you know, the, the, the Phil Collins theme in my head from Miami Vice mm -hmm. sitting there and could hardly believe that I was working for a director who I admired and uh, who was patting me on the back saying, welcome aboard. <laughs> and that was after a few people have gotten fired and uh, it was a, a rough shoot and I was very nervous, but I had the protection of sunglasses uh, so that nobody could see the absolute fear and uh, <laughs> horrific uh, look in my eyes that, uh, that I had. So the sunglasses were my shield uh, in showing how afraid I was. And I wind up staying for seven months and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, and it's what started my career off 
into doing it uh, totally professional. Didn't you uh, get an Emmy nod for that? Or uh, that would be no. I got it. Uh, well, no. Uh, movies you get an Oscar yeah, nom. Yeah. TV Oscar is nod, there yeah. Um, um, uh, um, Emmy, Emmy was for um, nomination was for Saturday Night Live, right. um, yeah. which was something I worked on for four years, and um, I was uh, primarily um, doing prosthetics and primarily Will Farrell's makeup artist for four, uh, three and a half years on the show. That's wonderful. Yeah, and you and you started out uh, as you were mentioning there on the East Coast. What brought you out to the West Coast, where we're speaking with you now? Well, I was always trying to be mini Hollywood when I was in, in New Jersey. I was always, you know, the grass is always greener. And I'd always read about my heroes and, you know, Rob Bottin and Rick Baker and all these guys, you know, even though Dick Smith was on the East Coast and, and you know, and I was I was actually making a living, um, you know, in my mid-20s doing effects on the East Coast. But I was always like, wow, I really want to know what's going on in the West Coast because – that my view of it was that's where they really do it. You know, that, you know, the East coast was cool. And, you know, even though Dick Smith was here and he kind of started the whole special makeup effects business out of his basement and basically, you know, mentored the future effects people like Rick Baker, um, who, you know, was from New York and then went to LA and, uh, you know, and uh, was a child and, and became a big famous makeup artist. But I was always like, that's where you really do it. So on a honeymoon, even after I had a name and even after I had some effects credits, uh, my honeymoon, I went for a day and just kind of interviewed to just, you know, poke my head into some studios. And I wanted to work for somebody that worked in L.A. and just to see how just to learn, you know, even though I was a boss already. I wanted to be on a crew in L.A. to find out, you know, what is it, you know, what's the mechanics of what it's like to do something in Hollywood. So I wound up going back to New Jersey and I got a phone call from the guy that actually <clears throat> became famous for creating um, um, uh, Child's Play Chucky Doll. His name was Kevin Yeager. And he said, hey, listen, um, I, I'd like to hire you. You know, where are you at? And I said, I'm in New Jersey. And so he goes, well, I can't have you work from New Jersey, so what do you want to do? So um, I had the opportunity. I flew myself out, and I lived in California for six months and worked for Kevin Yeager on uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Child's Play and, uh, you know, and, and cut my teeth in L.A. And I absolutely loved everybody, but I hated working for someone and I hated California. Um, I, I just – I was like, I'm done with this. And so actually after I left California, I went back to the East Coast and I was a little depressed. Uh, that's when I got the call from Dick Smith recommending me on Lesson Mohicans. So um, actually I worked in California first before I did Mohicans. And um, after Mohicans, um, uh, you know, that's when I stayed on the East Coast for a while and started – heading up show after show after show. And I guess it's what you would call where on the East Coast I was hot and I was sought after. And then I hooked up with uh, Kevin Smith and I didn't think I'd go back to the West Coast. And um, so on Dogma, after Dogma ended, he called me on Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. And the movie was about um, them in the story of the movie was uh, a couple of New Jersey guys go, going to Hollywood. Yeah, and I love so that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Art, art imitated life for me because I was doing the same thing. I was going back to California 
um, and doing effects in Hollywood on a Kevin Smith show. And so, you know, being, you know, thanks to Kevin Smith at the time being loyal and, uh, you know, and uh, being a very approachable type of guy, you know, you'd email him, he'd email you right back. And, you know, he's very approachable at, at that period of time. And, and we were working together after we worked on Dogma. And, um, and so, uh, you know, and there were plenty of other effect shops, you know, um, you know, nothing against me, but there were other effect shops that were locally that could have did the effects for Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. But he, you know, out of loyalty, took me out. And um, I went out there and opened up a small studio, and I wound up staying. And um, so that's how I kind of transplanted permanently from the East Coast to the West Coast. And and I had a couple of jobs on the on the East Coast that I finished up before I left. You know, I was working on Saturday Night Live. I did Dogma, and then I did Requiem for a Dream. And so after Requiem for a Dream, that's when I got on Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, and basically stayed here and expanded and been uh you know it was almost like starting a little bit over again because when you go from the east coast to the west coast you know people have heard of you but none of the producers or directors really know you so you're kind of re-networking to find out you know what it is to work in la and it's a whole right, different yeah. game right. you know so yeah. even though i had produced the friends you know one of them being jack you know um who i knew back then as well uh you know our relationship goes back a long time um you know, he, um, you know, was, was a friend of mine and we were planning on doing movies together and stuff. So, I mean, that's how I got to know Jack. And so when I came to the West coast, um, you know, I, I did a number of movies and, and got a name and then Jack got me in, you know, um, you know, since he was doing his film infliction, he, he gave me a phone call and said, Hey, I got these effects and, you know, I'd like you to do this. And, and, uh, you know, and so, uh, he gave me a little bit of dough and, uh, you know, we, uh, wind up working together because we're friends and uh you know and i really liked the script and so that's kind of how that association happened a, that was a fun movie i watched it recently it was uh it was kind of shocking i didn't see where it was going it was original and i'm not used to seeing a whole lot of original content anymore coming out of hollywood so that was that was a nice surprise um actually yeah I'm and well i mean I, I well it's not coming out of hollywood it's coming out of new jersey oh so, that, was, that um, was east coast uh, made yeah, yeah. Jack's film is is uh, is uh, you know is is uh, is, uh, is 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 all New Jersey. It's all East Coast. Oh no kidding. So yeah, so you know there you go. Um, it's funny so, that you uh, worked with Kevin Smith for a while. Uh, we actually interviewed about three months ago um, Andrew McElfresh, who uh, podcast with him and is currently making the movie The Anti Clause. Uh, are you uh, currently going to be going back with Kevin Smith for maybe that project or any of his new uh, Canadian horror films? No, 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 no. Un, you know, unfortunately, no. Um, you know, like, like anything, you you kind of you kind of lose touch with some people, and you know, and 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 things change, relationships change, and you know, and, you know, and there there are certain you know uh, alliances that change and certain mindsets that change and uh and then so that you know sometimes you just don't have the same association with people that you once had and so you know you work with other people you know Makes and sense. that's yeah. yeah yeah so uh and, and actually you kind of brought up a couple of the projects or a lot of the projects you've worked on and i was kind of noticing that you've been praised on both sides of the spectrum um in terms of you know the quality of everything from the out of the world horror effects like uh cabin fever the patient zero movie um with, you know, crazy bleeding, you know, uh, peeling flesh and all that kind of stuff, all the way over to, like, the nuanced aging of actors and, you know, turning somebody from 
you know, like thinner or the uh, aging of actors throughout the film, like uh, Requiem for a Dream. Um, when you have to like change gears between the movies, is it like really difficult or are there a lot of things that just kind of carry through movie to movie? Um, no, I just approach it. And thanks for, thank you for that. Um, cause sometimes you don't know. Um, I mean, I, I knew that that's what I'm, I, I do and that's my style, but when it, um, you know, when you, when you point that out, that's great to know that that, that message is out there because it's exactly the message I want to convey in my work is, uh, you know, being, um, uh, versatile and also not always having the same thing all the time where it's like, Oh, there's the gore guy, or there's a guy that rips off heads, mm -hmm. you know. And and so I look for diversity, and I always look for you know making sure that everything I'm doing is is different. And as far as changing gears, no, uh, the only gear that I'm always in is enthusiasm and passion, and and making sure whatever the effect is that it is the absolute best that I can do for the time and for the money. And um and usually I always try and deliver above what the dollar amount is given of course because my name is on it i mean sometimes you fall flat you know due due to a financial situation or or how much time or prep you you get and that really affects you know how the final outcome of things are a lot of times and you wind up you know killing yourself and some projects are worth killing yourself on and some aren't because either you're not appreciated or you're not giving the budget you're allowed, but either way, it's for me and my integrity that even if the producers or directors sometimes don't see what I'm trying to do or appreciate it, um, it is for me and for my crew that we are represented and that at least uh, the work on film is what matters. And so if that gets across to the audience and fans, that is sometimes uh, – the the ends justifies the means and as far as changing gears no it's just passion love and being into the project and hopefully that translates to the crew and that translates to the work that you're doing on that particular movie mm -hmm. um speaking of uh, particular movies um vhs is a series that i've fallen in love with i saw both the foreign and the the local versions um you have coming out on october 23rd uh vhs viral uh, is there anything you'd like to uh, talk to us about with that? Maybe uh, hype it a little bit. Oh yeah, release? sure. Um, um, Aaron Moorhead um, and and his partner, writing partner, directing partner, uh, Justin uh, uh, wrote and directed uh, one episode, um, and another uh, amazingly talented director named Todd Lincoln, whose episode has been omitted from the theatrical release. But there are other plans that I cannot talk about uh with his segment so i can't i can't get into that but all, all i can tell you is working for these gentlemen uh you know todd lincoln and aaron and justin and david lawson the producer um and also brad miska and uh and you know and over the phone chris white who was you know one of the producers on that um is that it was a tremendously creative and a freeing experience and uh, these directors basically um, gave me carte blanche, um, even though they had specific ideas and, and things that they wanted and, and went over them very carefully with me. I like free thinkers uh, when I work with directors and producers, and I've been lucky um, um, that I'm given freedom, you know, which a lot of, you know, I talk to a lot of my makeup effects buddies, 
who, you know, you know, work on a lot of films and, and they tell me they're like, wow, you know, we don't even get as much freedom as you do. Um, and, uh, the creative process is, is, uh, is, is freeing on that VHS one because, you know, we got to do miniatures and animatronics and, uh, you know, slave mechanisms and seven foot tall puppet, you know, which, you know, um, you know, a lot of times you don't get, you know, a lot of people don't get to do anymore because everybody's dictating CGI. And so on that show, even, you know, directors were like saying, well, we're thinking of doing all the skeleton CG. And, um, and then I was like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I said, you got to do real. I said, because the fans are going to hang you because uh, who wants to look at a bunch of computer graphics unless you're playing a computer game? I, I certainly I don't want to. Absolutely agree with that. You yeah. know? I mean, I, I, I like playing video games, but I, when I play video games, I'll, I'll deal with video game graphics. But if I'm looking at a movie, I want to have a real experience. And looking at a digital image that um, uh, looks fake uh, takes me out of the movie and, 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 and does not give me the visceral feel that I should be feeling. So Completely I convinced agreed. them, you know, I, com I convinced them to go practical and um and they did and uh and we did miniatures as well you know I, I was able to do miniatures uh you know and they look really cool i mean there's i i didn't even you know when they cut it together i was like oh i i forgot i did those effects those aren't pyro you know or those aren't you know uh uh you know a a live prop that is the size of a human being being exploding these are miniatures that were comped in and they look amazing and i was just like you won't even be able to tell That's you know um and so that was cool and so those experiences on that movie was like a, a fun party ride in a big toy store with those guys you know it was like just let's have fun and make movies and and do lots of effects so that was vhs and that's uh, you. You actually bring up one of the things Scott and I were was curious about. We were actually geeking out on the Facebook page uh, over the tons of photos that are posted, and we've noticed. I mean, you've just got like you know for every. And I actually watched an interview uh, that you had done about like how you create the effects and the iterative process of creating like the miniatures to the larger uh, you know uh, carvings and, and sculptures and stuff like that. Now, do you actually hold on? Do you actually like? keep your creations do they get like recycled do you have to destroy them or uh auctioned off donated like how, like how do you keep up with all that um usually um i get to keep all the stuff and and we have a, a showroom and we put that in our showroom you know we take specific pieces that we're that are that are a favorite of mine and we make displays and so those are in the conference room because that's kind of you know, the eye candy when somebody walks in and they see, you know, an effect from a movie that's finished and it's not just a rubber mask on a shelf or, you know, and that it's an actual piece or, or physical thing from a movie excites producers and directors. And, and when they get excited and they see something cool, they're like, oh, wow, maybe I can have something like that in my movie. And so that's kind of the, the impetus for all that. And that's kind of what I'm geared for. And um, so, yeah, most of the props I get to keep. And, uh, yeah, sure. If, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I need to buy an extra GI Joe for my son or, or whatever. Yeah. There are places, you know, there are, you know, prop places that you can do that. And a lot of our effect shops, you know, donate a lot of stuff. And as far as recycling, I don't do that a lot with creatures or specific design stuff. Uh, but yeah, if like, you know, Hey, we have a bunch of, 
you know, wounds of a person being ripped in, in half or we, we got a bunch of stuff going on here that needs, you know, gore or a sliced neck or somebody gets a chunk out of them. Yes, all that stuff is a stock of stuff that is valuable because it's reusable and, and it's reusable in a way where you go, oh, you're not going to recognize that from another movie because it's, it's, you know, a wound, you know, or a fake head or whatever. So on that end, recyclable wise, gore is definitely recyclable, you know. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have any more questions you want to ask or do we want to transition? Into I, well, the... I was thinking we could go straight to the bang, bang, uh, 10 questions, kind of just rattle some off here. Some of these, again, uh, Vincent, are going to be, you know, you might be familiar with some of these. We're trying to actually keep these. Sometimes they get a little bit weird and obscure. We're trying to keep these a little bit more geared toward the October vibe, the horror vibe, everything like that. Um, but we tried to come up with these uh, 10 uh, kind of random questions here. Um, first off, the number one is, uh, what's? can you name your favorite horror movie monster? Uh, I'm going to have to say um, uh, the monster, and there's many of them in the film, but my favorite movie monster of all time is probably... Um, uh, has to be the stuff that's in the thing. And, uh, you know, the second runner-up to that would be uh, the Creature of the Black Lagoon. Right. Very nice. Um, all right, number two. Uh, who's your favorite Ghostbuster? Definitely Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well chosen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, is there someone in Hollywood you would love to turn into a zombie? Is there somebody in Hollywood? Yeah, I mean, yeah, or, or famous a, actor, yeah, an actor that not necessarily like you know, oh, I hate this person, I want to turn them into zombie, but you know, somebody you'd like to work on and actually see them in zombie form. Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> handsome, handsome ass zombie. He just have like one scar, and the rest would be handsome. It'd be yeah, yeah. yeah he's too pretty. Let's yeah, just yeah, let's, come on. to mess him up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, number four. Uh, did you ever do any Halloween pranks as a kid? Uh, yeah, I did one cruel one when I was first uh, seeing my girlfriend, which was I was on a bandsaw, and I put a glove on, and Ooh. I had a, a fake thumb, and I put my real thumb and inserted it in my palm, and I put the glove over, and I put um, some blood a blood pack, and my girlfriend walked in, and I made it look like that my thumb was being chopped off, and she just oh. – she lost it so badly, and I and I couldn't even get her out of stop crying even though she knew it was fake afterwards. Oh. It was too good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I decided never to do anything as cruel as that ever again. Yeah, do it on screen. So, you know, trick people on screen, but not necessarily your girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah um. I, was being a, I was being a jerk, and I shouldn't have done it. But... <laughs> uh, come on. It's a good story to tell later. Um, yeah. Uh, what was your best Halloween costume as a kid? You know, it's funny. Um, I wasn't a big Halloween guy, but I, I guess the, the, the best um, or costume. <laughs> yeah, well, the best costume I ever had was probably in grammar school when I played Frosty the Snowman. So, in uh, which I, I've gotten ribbed for my entire my entire <laughs> life. So. Great. I figured I'd bring up my most embarrassing moment, and that's got to be it as far as a costume, which I know is not Halloween, but, um, you know, there it is. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, number six, uh, you love horror movies. What's your favorite romantic comedy? Romantic comedy? Um, um, wow. Boy, you guys really did. Uh, um, <laughs> that's the old bait and switch. Me, uh, <laughs> what's the one with Salma Hayek? Uh, and the and the guy from Friends. Oh my God, I forgot the title because you guys caught me on. on uh, 
I don't know. Trying to get you know. a loose footing there. I'd have to look that up. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one with Salma Hayek and the guy from Friends, and and it's like uh, he meets this Latin girl, and 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 I I can't I can't remember the it's title. Not like it's gonna... made in New York, is it? No, oh, no, 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 no. It's the Simon Hayek uh, and the and the guy from Friends, uh, you know, movie. And um, I, I, that's the one. So right. I'm sorry. That's for our listeners to look up and uh, inform us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Let, <laughs> yeah. let us know what it is. And uh, you know, of course, Harry Met Sally. There's another one that's for good. you. That's a good classic. Yeah. Um, have you ever uh, had any actor grossed out by the makeup that you get put put on them? You have a list. Yeah. No. This <laughs> list. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. As any of it turned like really bad, like they they couldn't do the like role. Phobia or anything? Or... Um, I well, you know what? I just worked on a Brian Singer uh, directed movie called uh, The Taking of Deborah Larson, and um, and uh, and 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 the main actress uh, just couldn't deal with getting into the getup that we were supposed to do for her, so she had a she had a limited amount of toleration for. Getting in this very complicated contraption, uh, um, so you know, th- there's one incident recently that I had happen. All right, um, is there such a thing as too much blood? Yeah, when it when it when it covers um, uh, the artwork to the point of that, what's the point of even having anything on the actor? And it's just a bunch of blood, and and then um, and thank God I haven't done really any of those type of films where you know it's so much blood that you don't see the work um you know cabin fever was probably the goriest thing i ever did and but uh, i was excited about doing that and um and i wanted to see what it was to do melting flesh and um so i haven't seen the movie yet but i we've gotten quite a, a lot of kudos so uh um you know uh there you go uh that's the goriest thing i've ever done cool um, if you could go back in time to work on any movie, which one would you work on? Uh, The Thing, um, and Total Recall. Oh, wow. Cool. Nice. Yeah, nice. Hey, uh, while we have you on the subject of The Thing, what did you think of the, uh, remake? Or not the remake, the, uh, prequel? Um, actually, I, it's a long story, but I had a lot to do with the other incarnations of that when it was at the Sci-Fi Channel. And then I was actually one of the people. I was the first approached. I was the first effects artist on the block to be, to come in and 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 express my ideas for the prequel. And uh, you know, uh, then uh, they had their ideas, and uh, you know, uh, we came to a parting of the ways. And they hired a very talented makeup effects company called ADI on that, and uh, they did their best. But the movie. The opening, the first 15 or 20 minutes, I actually was really into it. And then we started seeing cartoons running around and, uh, and the whole movie fell apart. And um, um, I really didn't like it, you know, and uh, I think they ruined it and they had a great opportunity right there. Hollywood producers, which is what I told them in a meeting that you had a great opportunity here. Like what that film in the 80s did for practical effects, you can do it again now in modern day um and bring that vibe back again uh and and utilize practical to its you know to to its limits and and use cgi for little enhancements or little bells and whistles and they wind up having a lot of problems and uh so yeah the answer is i i i didn't like it you know yeah i was actually it's funny because 
some of the questions I originally had fleshed out, I was going to go down the road of, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the di digital effects era and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that might be open in a can of worms that we could sit here and probably jabber on about that for like an hour in and of itself. Um, you know, the comparisons when it's needed, when it's not, you know, how you work alongside it, uh, when practical effects are definitely the necessary thing to do and when people are just copping out and trying to splash some, you know, uh, well, you know, I, um, you know, not to interrupt you, but yeah. I mean that that question's being asked all the time. Uh, it's like, a, and now it's becoming common, and that and and the answer to that is also becoming common and is common sense. When it's a symbiosis of both practical and CG, where you can't, you know, really tell, or it's just a good marriage, like it was done in Jurassic Park, mm -hmm. uh, the original Jurassic Park. You know, the, the wonderful effects that Stan Winston did, and then all the stuff that ILM and Phil Tippett did. Uh, that's when you know it works, you know, and so, uh, and now I believe, um, even though CGI is, it, there are some CGI movies that you cannot tell that they are CG. They're getting really, really good, but there's also still that cartoon effect in a lot of these movies and people I believe are getting sick of it. Every time I look at a new trailer, it's like, I I'm looking at a movie I saw last year again, where they have these epic tidal waves of monsters and, and windstorms and creatures inside the these, you know, tornado monsters coming towards Dracula and all this other stuff. It's like th there's no – it's no style. It's just a, a look to be fancy and overdo it. And, and I'm just like this does not look believable to me. So, you know, fuck you again with this this crap that you're handing us. And I think people are getting tired of it. And I and 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 I think that, you know, that stuff is gonna is gonna get is gonna be in the public's eye so much they're just gonna get sick of it, which they are. And that's why practical, I believe, is is having such a big comeback. All right. That's uh that's very wise actually. It's pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah, and I, I feel like uh like i it's refreshing every time and, and actually it's one of the things I really love about horror movies especially watching a lot of like the indie and low budget stuff it was a cop-out to like a lot of times go to cg for people like because they were like oh it's cheaper blah 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 but i feel like only if you can really like do it on a grand scale uh you know will it look at all okay and even then they're you know a lot of times end up overusing it oh, and it's, it's funny to see like the, it's the, the indie movies and these uh horror horror movies that can't necessarily have the big budgets and afford it realize it's actually more practical to use practical effects and it looks it's so much more refreshing to see a low budget horror movie actually look better than a high budget horror movie with a bunch of special effects because they just are like oh we've got the computers let's plop all these crazy monsters that don't even make sense they're not really staying true to the the story or the plot they're like what else can we do how crazy can we make it instead of thinking what they should do yeah it's like uh the blood effects in the first expendables movie none of them <laughs> were done with blood packets all yeah. the blood in expendables one was cgi and, and it looked like cartoon yeah. blood coming out of people and it just it didn't look right it was laughable yeah like i said i could we could probably jabber for yeah. an hour and a half on just the topic of uh of these things and like you said it's the sim it's the symbiotic relationship that's important not saying it's you know my way or the highway it's saying how can we work these together when it's necessary to use this and when it actually makes sense to use bits and pieces so well, I mean, the thing is, is that every studio movie, even I have other friends, uh, you know, uh, effects companies, uh, you know, that are that are buddies, and they work on big studio movies, and and when they do all their work, most of the time, 90, 80, 90 percent of the time, and when the producers even do, you know, listen to the director and they give 
uh, an effects company, a practical effects budget, and they wind up doing stuff, most of the time it's all cut out and redone with CG. Um, and, and, and the only thing that stays is the cuts and bruises or some of the makeups that they've done, the character makeups. And most of the stuff is, is on a big studio film is going to be CGI'd and it's all due to committee because, you know, the guys in the office, they get the dailies back and, and they're just, and they want it to look like the last blockbuster they think is going to make their movie, you know, work. So that's why everything's looking like a cookie cutout of the same thing. Now there are only rare occasions where you get people like David Fincher or Christopher Nolan and people like that, that really know how to use CGI in a correct way. But when was the last time you saw a rancor in a big Hollywood movie, um, you know, type of effect, you know, you haven't seen it in a while. I think the only person out there that's really sticking to uh, practical and where you're seeing monster suits and things is like Guillermo del Toro, like he did in Hellboy Two, yep. right? You know, and um, and 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 you know, he won that battle there, and then you know, he did Pacific Rim, which was all CG, but it was done beautifully, you know. So I didn't mind that so much, and so you know, I'm hoping with J.J. Abrams and the new Star Wars, you know, um, I, I I'm hoping that he's gonna kind of you know bring that back that old nostalgia oh it's a rubber monster in a big hollywood film and it it's not cartoonized over with some ridiculous monster that's jumping around like a jelly bean and doing impossible things that a mon that something physical could not do yeah i have the same hopes i keep seeing that apparently he's going full you know practical effect where he can and i, I just have my fingers crossed on that one well I don't buy anybody's going to do full practical. I, I, I buy there'll be a symbiosis. There'll oh, yeah. be a great deal of practical. Like, you know, we saw in Prometheus, we saw some amazing practical effects. Probably the best stuff that I've seen artistically in 10 or 15 years. And, and But there was CGI, you know, done all over that film as well. Um, too bad it wasn't a better movie. Um, but other than that, you know... Um, you know, there isn't a lot of big special practical effects done in big Hollywood movies. They're they're CGI'd. And so that's another reason why I like doing the independence as well is because the artistic freedom, the committee's not there, and I'm getting to do practical stuff. And, you know, the more stuff that I'm doing, I'm getting you know, I just directed something I'm in the po I'm in post on and I'm 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 trying to head into that area. Where my influences on on directors doing things practically, hopefully, you know, I'll always have my special effects company involved. That when I start directing more movies, that I'm always going to use practical in the best way possible, you know, and 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 making that mentality. That's why I'm on Facebook all the time, and I'm pushing my work, and I'm pushing. It's pushing practical in every producer and director's face, saying this is the way to go. And the new guys that are coming up that don't realize that, you know, this is the way to go, is to go practical. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right. Um, oh, we have one more question. <laughs> Sorry. Um, question number 10, the final question. Uh, in seven words or less, describe horror in your own, uh, your own eyes. Horror in my eyes is a description of horror itself or horror movies? I'd say horror as a concept, what it means to you, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, horror to me is something that is a bad fever dream where you sweat and it will always stick with you since you were a child all the way to adulthood. That is true 
horror to me. I like that. Agreed, yeah. 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 All right. Um, well, I think I, this wraps up the interview session, unless, Jerry, you have something to add. No, I mean, I've got plenty to add. I could probably, yeah, me I could too. probably we could sit talk here and, for hours. and, and got, <laughs> I could ask about three hours heck. of childhood questions that have been building up about this this topic right here, but I guess we're going to we're gonna have to cut it uh, for our time here. But we really appreciate you talking to us, Vincent. Um, once again, I mean, this has been pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, look for, let's see, we recently watched uh, Cabin Fever, Patient Zero, Infliction, um, a couple of recent ones you've worked on, and again, VHS Viral is kind of the, as far as I know, the next thing. Yeah, uh, I cannot up wait fresh. to see that. So, uh, which uh, chapter did you work on? Does it have a specific name? Yeah, it's called Bone Storm, and it's actually the star of the entire movie, and it's actually what you see uh, the impression of the poster, the skull is coming from. Ah, so, okay, yeah, so. I've been seeing a lot of the. Uh, uh, I've been. I've been reading actually a lot about the, the the hype is actually is is pretty crazy about this, which is why I was like to see. It didn't happen until after we uh, IMDb'd you and realized that you were worked on that as well. So we geeked out even more about it. And, uh, you know, I've been reading a lot of high hopes about this one being, and people are saying it's actually uh, the best in the in the series, which is saying a lot because I love the first two. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one's got a different vibe. There's more of a fun vibe and not, you know, not so much the, the, the horror evil vibe going on. So this is a little bit more you know, of a roller coaster. And it's just more of a, like a, you know, uh, yay. Wow. We, this is fun and not, you know, so much, Oh my God, this is terror, you know? Um, so it's definitely got its own vibe on this one. So hopefully you guys will, will dig the new direction that it's gone in. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah. And if you want to, uh, if you want to find some of Vincent's work for our listeners, uh, go over to Facebook and look up BGP effects and design studio. There's a uh, nice suite of pictures there where you can kind of go through a lot of the old work, and it's just some beautiful stuff, and I, I encourage everyone oh, to go check that out. Thanks, guys. Yeah, or my website, you know, and definitely on the Facebook. I'm always updating and always letting people know what's going on. And uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for the interview. This was uh, a lot of fun. And thank you and, for being uh, on. We appreciate yeah, it. we really appreciate it, Vincent. Thanks. Uh, no problem, guys. Take care and have, uh, you know, have an awesome week. You too. Right, you too. Thank you. All right. Later. All right. Well, that was amazing. I'm, yes, sir. I'm actually really glad we got that accomplished. Um, hope everyone out there enjoyed it. Um, I guess what we're going to do is we're just going to move the show right along. Okay. No reason to stop here. Um, let's uh, jump right into the AV Club, Jerry. I know. Jer. I got an AV Club. It's pretty great. You uh, do? Um, yeah. Don't we have an AV Club opener? I forgot to export it, so I'm going to have to do another one right uh, here if that's okay. Okay. Yeah, no, this right. is on you. Yeah, yeah. AV Club. AV Club, huh? Rap, rap. Rap, rap, AV Club, ah, oh, rappy rap. Rap, don't club seals, AV Club. Don't club those seals, AV Club. Yeah. I totally stole my rapping ability. <laughs> I sucked the I gave you right some pointers, you. didn't I? Yeah, I, I, I learned from the best. Uh, I learned it from watching you. If that's the only thing you learned from watching me, then you're a better person. I learned how to furiously masturbate and hurt myself while doing it. Remember that time you blew out your back <laughs> masturbating? Yes, I do. I'll yeah. never forget. It's the worst McDonald's trip I've ever made. <laughs> yeah. uh, 917, never forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that date may sound arbitrary to most, but not yeah. in my world. No, not in your world, man. That was that was your own personal 911. That, that was my own personal uh, special effects session I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Wax on. Oh, so yeah, I've got an AV segment. I'd, li- I'd um, like to call those, by the way, practical effects. Yeah. There was, you, the there, masturbating? There was no CG involved, yeah. CG. What could CG stand for? Cum gargling. Okay. Okay. There's okay. no cum gargling involved, which is dear. Your you. Uh, hey, whatever floats your boat, man. How about it was expectational uh, cunnilingus gathering? Mm. 
Oh, I gotcha. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the E wasn't really part of it. Just... No, that, that's, I started with the E, and I was like, what, what are you talking Like EC, like EC Comics? And I'm like, oh, no, like CG. All right. Um, so uh, I've got a little – It's I guess it's not really – It's, it's creepy, to, dude. Uh, it's yeah, creepy. I, that's the thing is I figured – I found this. I was, we weren't even planning on doing an AV segment, hence the fact that I didn't uh, prepare and snip out the little piece um, to, as in the intro. But uh, I came across this, and I thought it was kind of fitting with our whole creepy vibe thing we're trying to do. Yeah, we're trying to do a Halloween, Halloween month, all stuff, kinds right? of like Halloween-style um, stories. And, and it's also just really cool because this is – the thing I'm going to play is actually one woman singing this, and she's actually doing it like on – uh, this particular clip is from YouTube, so you, and she's actually doing what they call polyphonic singing. And I've what heard is poly- polyphonic singing, Polyphonic Jer? overtone singing is when you essentially can create uh, Jer, what is multiple that? tones with your vocal cords. Can you please explain? So what you what ends up happening is you've got like more polyphonic, poly meaning many, and phonic meaning phones. So she's a witch. Uh, I think she's a witch, or like a banshee. She's right? a hot witch. She's, a, she's very attractive. She's German. Um, oh, so she's a vampire? Is that what Germans are? No, they're no? Nazis. She's uh, yeah. a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. So this like is what all those sexy... years of Nazi science brought us? Yeah, polyphonic overtone singing, oh. which I don't think they invented it, but she's definitely um, mastered it. And this is kind of like, I some of imagine. it is like tutorial style stuff in the video, or it's not really tutorial t- teaching you, but like showing you like how it's sort of how it's done, not how to do it. All I can think of is like Nazi concentration camps where they're bringing the Jews in and they're uh, they're they're forcing them to do this style of singing. As, like, one of their weird, bizarre experiments. Because oh, okay. they did all kinds of experiments they did. back then. And one of them must have been polyphonic overtone singing. Yeah. And it sounded something like this. If that wow. cap, you can capture some of that, but um, and some of those clips, she even goes like more, and she's kind of showing you with her hands in the video, like where each of her vocal cord tones are going. So sometimes when she gets really far apart, and she's moving one down and one up the scale. It seems like impossible for the human voice to actually do that. She just must give one hell of a hummer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm just thinking two toned. You know, like there's multiple Does vibration it, levels uh, yeah, going yeah. on. So you got like, like a high frequency, low frequency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you you reduced this um, <laughs> this very sophisticated, uh, talented woman down to a hummer. Uh, no, I don't mean to joke. Well, I do totally <laughs> yeah, mean to joke. Hopefully, but... you mean to joke. I, I'm assuming you mean to joke. But no, it's actually kind of amazing that. and creepy sounding. Like it's very well, it's um, like a ethereal. Almost, like, you know, like yeah, the, the theremin sound. Like the it's like playing two theremins at once, but yeah. with your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something uh, something you'd probably be good at. Uh, cause you, you like to blow, you like to blow, <laughs> you old dick sucker, you, uh-huh. <laughs> old Scott. Yeah, that's, uh, we're going to pretend that didn't happen. Uh, we can edit that out, right? <laughs> uh, I can and, and won't. Um, so that, I mean, it was short AV club. I just thought like, I wasn't expecting, I mean, my thought was, oh, if we do AV club stuff. It's probably just going to be like talking about horror movies or something. I didn't want to necessarily go down that road. No, that's fine. Uh, I actually found it very interesting. Like I've never heard of it before, it so when I researched yeah. it today, it was kind of new to me. Well, and... they've got like the there's the the monks do a lot of that like tonal singing yeah. where they do like the uh, but usually it's just you hear like a it's like two droning uh, low tones. So this woman, it's kind of cool hearing it coming out of her because she's doing not like low low tones, but she's doing like a really high tone and kind of a you know not quite baritone kind of gotcha. all at the same time. Yep. So you get a little bit of that like higher pitch, which I think is why it sounds so creepy because it's got a little bit of that theremin vibe to it. Yep. I like a thermometer, doodle it do, do do do. 
theremin. Yeah, theremin. Much better than cinnamon. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I'm sorry. I was kind of like in The awe. reason I created that button is so we can do it anytime we want. Yeah. <laughs> well, what if I want to do it? It's fair. That button's really far from me. Yeah, it's, it's Are you going to slide it, yeah, slide it over? Yeah, okay, yeah. so now I get to push it. You can push it anytime you want, man. All right, awesome. Yeah, if, I if get to happens, push your buttons. If it happens, person has to break into a rhyme or okay, whatever okay. it is that we... No, just let it go with awkward silence. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then like the loud lip-smacking sounds of like NPR. Uh Welcome uh, to Lake Wobegon, yeah. where the uh, fish are uh, ample and the uh, the women are also ample. Oh, They're like, not very creative I on like that the, show. Um, I was uh, hanging out by the fireplace the other day, and drinking some cocoa. And it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Boy, let's, let's move glad, on. Glad you're glad you came up with that idea for that bun. I bet you didn't think it would backfire like this. Nope. Well, I mean, I haven't had a chance to reach across the table to grab it yet. Your yep. studio is set up in such a way where you kind of were, I, like privileged. It's mine. Um, speaking of privileged, let's mm-hmm. get into the uh, web droppings. All right. Web droppings. Okay, I actually have no idea if that uh, that segue worked at all, but. I don't um, think so. I was trying to figure out how, but you know what? Fuck it. We'll edit it and post. Now, this is the one story we have this yet. week that yep. really doesn't uh, fit into the whole Halloween theme. Uh, it's just something I came across, and it kind of it made me scratch my head, so I did some research. Now, what I want to talk about real quick is uh, truthers. Uh, Jerry, you've heard of the the term truthers, oh, right? absolutely. And there's like uh, 9-11 truthers, people who want to know what really They're, happened to the yeah. towers, uh, JFK truthers. Most of them are like a lot of crackpots that, you know, try to... You know, create uh, invisible uh, connections between exactly, yeah. and the it, terms sort of similar to conspiracy theorists. It's well, just they're not all conspiracy. The the difference you know? really is conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists is a term that's been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, truthers really did come around after about nine eleven. Like it's a it's a modern term. It yeah. pretty much dates back to around two thousand two thousand one. Uh, it's actually hard to find that term used in the sense that we we're talking about before then. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a wide variety of truthers out there now. There's a the Obama truthers, too. People oh, want to know yeah. about his birth records yeah. and all that shit. Uh, I, what I ended up stumbling upon on the internet, and yes, I'm a master at Googling things other people don't normally Google. Uh, master Google, uh, yeah, man. We my, talk, my, we, my web history we is a about your crazy, crazy history. It's a crazy tapestry of the obscene, the perverse, the weird, the yeah. out there, the the criminal. I was saying it'd be interesting to, like, it's too bad we didn't think of this ahead of time for you to save it. No, oh, so. no. So no. at least print it out or something. No. And give it to me. No. Whatever. And then no. we like have a year in review of Scott's uh web. You're history. just gonna make multiple copies and put them on like general store cork boards across Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> like watch out like yeah, watch out for this man. <laughs> yeah. This is like a picture of your like Facebook profile. And this is his and, web yeah. history. Yep. Um okay, so the truth or I uh, thing I found that I really had never heard of and didn't know existed, uh, I figured I should share with you. It is Stevie Wonder is not blind. Yeah, yeah. There's a truther group out there that are basically convinced that Stevie Wonder has been faking this whole blind thing since basically a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it would have to be because he's reportedly been blind by, you know, the people that have known him since he was like a child. I since mean, a young, reportedly, yeah. like, well, I wikipedia birth, him but... and yeah, blind as a young, young, young child. Yeah. Very before young. memories have even formed. Exactly. Yeah. So he never has really experienced you know, a lot of, like, color or things like that. No. What's, what's around him. Now, you think bringing this up, I would just pick on the people calling him truthers. And, I mean, there is one person I would really like to pick on for calling him a truther. It's um, an ESPN correspondent. Um, I don't know if he works for the network anymore, but his name's Bo- Bomani Jones. 
Um, he's recorded about a 50-minute long, and it's broken into three five-minute chunks, a uh, YouTube series, where he kind of goes all conspiracy theorist truther on the uh, the whole I- issue. And I listened to it earlier today, and he brings up some interesting points. I'll give him that. But hearing him talk, it sounds like everyone else who's into conspiracy theory. Like, it kind of rattles you because when someone sounds that out there, it makes you not believe what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. But he brings up some interesting things. Like, there was apparently an old video from, like, the 80s, and I forgot the name of the song. Sorry, I should have made better notes on this. But um, he has a song where apparently in the video he's doing graffiti art. Uh, Stevie Wonder is. And he's like, how's he doing that graffiti art? Well, in my head, I'm just thinking, well, another person is. It's a music video. It's not like everything that happens yeah. to them is real. I, or, I don't think Kanye West is a god on a throne. Seen, like, <laughs> I mean, I would say it's probably just as challenging as being able to find the C-sharp three octaves above the D minor, like, on the bottom of the scale. It's a matter of, like, being aware of your where you are. Exactly. Physically. He can see things in his head of what he's actually creating. No, I mean, I, he has uh, a much different sense of like object, you know, where he is in in his sphere. Exactly, and that's that's the non-truther side. The truther side. Well, the more I yeah. looked into it, I found a website called theconcourse.deadspin.com, and on there they give a pretty long list of examples of why his blindness is a hoax. Yeah. Uh, one is the benefit concert he did with Paul McCartney, where Paul McCartney knocks over his microphone, yep. and uh, Stevie Wonder is said to reach out, catch it, and write it. I watched that video like nine times in a row in slow mo. It looks pretty clear that the person next to him catches it yeah. and hands it back to yeah, him. Yeah, so and, like, and you can tell on. like he's a little startled, so he moves toward it. But that's because you hear he, you hear it fall, and also again they are very they they have essentially a, develop extremely strong senses we can't understand when you're blind. exactly. I mean, you've seen people like blind people do amazing things that we can never think about because other your other senses usually strengthen because of it. Yeah, and then there's some other like really weird things. Like someone actually pointed out on this site the PSA for don't drink and drive or don't drive drunk. Oh yeah. And they're like, well, he would never drive. Why would he do a PSA yeah, he's for like, that? Well, why is it his fight? It's like, well, maybe <laughs> he doesn't want people to die or maybe he was yeah. uh, of like people he's like, that's a good cause. This isn't his battle. Why yeah. is he trying to fight it? And he's also <laughs> not saying don't drive blind. He's saying don't drive drunk. I'm pretty sure he even thinks he shouldn't drive drunk, even if he was to ever drive. And you can drive, you know, uh, you know blind if you wanted to. Yeah, it's like, if this isn't his battle, like, it just turns into a rap battle. Like, (laughs) don't drink and drive, especially if you're blind. Don't get in that car. You're fucking blind. (laughs) Uh, I think that's just a good lesson for all of us. It is, absolutely, man. I like the way you jived, you know, right down with it. And that is your fight, you know. You, You drive. So you don't want drinking and driving to happen. You don't want other people on the road crashing into you and shit. Yeah, not to not to drag out this semi like dry story because I know it's not quite with the Halloween theme, but there's two other things that I thought were interesting. And is that he's, he's a devil. He's he, well, no, 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 no. It's that he keeps buying courtside tickets to NBA games, and he he like sits there. Uh, bas- hear it. Basketball and tennis are probably two games that the only thing you can hear is where the ball is. Yeah, and squeak. That's it. Yeah. Like that's, that's him stepping on rodents next there's to There's not a whole lot to take in. Like, what is he doing buying courtside tickets? Like, wouldn't that money be better served? I don't know. You're right there with, like, the coach being, like, all rah, rah, rah. And you like, the players are all squeak, squeak, squeak maybe, maybe, you, Okay, I'm taking a tough stance here. Maybe he should be taking the money for his courtside tickets that he's obviously not enjoying as much as the rest of the fans. I don't know. He's smiling and maybe, a lot. Maybe, maybe a cure for the blind? Maybe? Just put that money towards a cure for the blind? Eh, he's like, why? Why bother? It fucking does me wonders, man. It does me Stevie wonders. Oh, I was oh. waiting for that. Uh, I didn't even mean to that. It just fucking happened, man. That's what happens when I've got like the like the whole uh, freestyle vibe. No, my uh, through, even though it took me like 
30 seconds to yeah, think yeah, of the word was, freestyle. I, yeah. <laughs> I was watching you uh, struggle with that from across the desk. Yeah. Um, now, the only last piece of proof that I actually find wonderful and kind of funny is there are pictures of him at the Motown uh, Museum taking photographs of things he is interested in. So there's a series of photos of him with a camera putting in front of his eye and clicking pictures of, like, pictures and model of, like, yeah. things and you know the things you'd see in a motel. I've come to the I've, dinosaur I've skeletons. I've mentioned this before. Though, uh, there is a whole documentary on HBO about blind photographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Granted, it's about more about the art, about like what they capture when you can't see and what you sense. Yeah, like oh look, I'm what, sure they were look, shitty look at, pictures. Look at this amazing <laughs> thing he accidentally took a picture yeah, of. No, I, I think it's like he took a picture of, like the fucking half the dinosaur's tail or something like that. Like I'm sure if you saw the pictures, you'd be like, yeah, fuck, a blind dude totally took these. If they were like perfectly balanced and the like composition was spot on so maybe they were if they were then maybe uh, I can get behind this whole thing yeah well, well basically what I'm saying is I'm I don't I don't hate the blind I just wonder <laughs> Scott Bear <laughs> doesn't hate the blind all I'm wondering is like is there something to this truth or thing because people really are getting all butthurt about this and I personally just don't care I was gonna, well, yeah, but, but I find you... it interesting that this is a truth or thing it's like 9-11 JFK, Stevie Wonder's Stevie Wonder. vision. Yeah, but my, my, I am definitely not going to base any of my opinions or beliefs on anything based on how many people on the internet like to talk about it. Okay. It's true because there's a lot of people that will just get behind something because I'm, guess, I'm guessing somebody posted these three or four things. It's like the moon landing hoax. They post like three or four things that kind of like refute it, you know, like the moon landing and then like the rest of the overwhelming evidence they decide to not talk about. They're like, no, but look at these three things that don't exactly line up perfectly that could probably be explained perfectly with science and reason. And then I was just like, man, I don't care about your science and reason. It's fucking treason. Go out and get me some bottles this season. I want to drink Bartles and James, baby. Bacardi rum, putting in my tum-tum. So, uh... I actually turned that off for me, but whatever. <laughs> You can, go, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I thought I thought you were trying to like challenge me there. Oh no 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 no! It's fine. It's fine. Just yeah. step step on my I thought toes. That's, you know that's what you're supposed. To, yeah. Okay. From now on, we use it for uh, for ourselves. So, or do we use it for each other? That's Let's what I thought. It was going to be like a challenge. Well, you've used it for yourself like five times well, I now. Didn't be, like, you're abusing the button. To set the. It's in front of me. It's my fucking button. All right. So let's make a rule right now. Is it for you or for me when you press it? When how about how about this first time around? We do it for ourselves. That way we can control it. Get used to it. Okay. Unless. We may I never do this again, point, too, by then, the way. Uh, probably after this terrible thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're just warming up, folks. I mean, and the other thing, I am intentionally trying to be worse than I actually am. I could fucking freestyle like a motherfucker. Hey, you want, to, you want, want to tell me about something? Want to tell yeah, me about sure. fish? Yeah, sure. This, uh, this next story Jeremiah brings to the table, and it's inspired by the movie Piranha. Sure it is. Why not horror theme? Come yeah, on, it, let's, it keep, is, the, let's well, keep this all edged in. Actually, I don't know if you read if you read the story. I but read the story. I showed pictures of the actually, story yeah. to my friends, my family, yep. people at my work. I was showing the picture to people. Were like, "Don't you have something better to do? Aren't you getting paid to do something?" It's like, yes, but look at this picture of a fish with human teeth that was caught in the Russian River, the Russian River. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing they just got one for some reason that vast fucking landscape. They've got one river. Um, yeah, so a Russian River. Um, a Russian a, river a that was located just several hundred miles from uh, Chernobyl, by the yeah, way. Yeah, uh, uh, a fisherman from Arkhangelsk region of Russia caught a fish in the country's northern Vina River 
that had a creepily human-like set of teeth. Very creepily. I looked and at that. Looked it like looked like a human teeth. It looked like, like a human set. And, and the weird thing, yeah, like the the molars and everything, and the incisors, everything. Was it didn't really have canines, up. but if no, they were no. more like incisors to premolars to molars. And it really like it. Look, it's just for some reason things with human teeth that aren't supposed to have. Like you expect, like piranhas look creepy enough with like their sharp. Razor yeah, they just teeth. have rows of single teeth that look identical to each other. Yeah, these these are like it's like a nice set. Like somebody plops some dentures in a fish, exactly. Like, as a joke. Um, and I read it's not fake either. No, no, and it turns out because I actually did some additional research on this to see what you know because and it's not actually like I don't know. It's an anomaly for the region. Like, but they said it's a type. It is actually a type of piranha. Most likely, they said because there's a there is a piranha that's not all piranhas eat uh, meat. They're not all like flesh-eating piranhas. This one, they said, is um, herbivore. So most likely when you do that, you have, like, the flatter teeth that kind of grinds. Exactly, yeah. Set. The reason we have both is because we tear meat and we then We're omnivores, yet. Chair. We're, We're omnivores. omnivores. Yes, that's what they call us. Yeah. Um, this is an herbivore. So... Omnivore. Eat plants and meat. Omnivore. Neat. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah, I was going to stop you regardless. <laughs> Uh, I that um man we would uh, we would the, get eaten alive in a is, uh, freestyle contest. This is the worst rap show ever. I love it. <laughs> I think the point was to make it uh, to, to to not necessarily show off our skills. Oh, neither one of us have skills. No, That's no, the whole point. This if, is you know, just put fun. Some time into it. I could fake it, you know, edit that and all that kind of stuff. But the uh, the freestyling stuff, it's just fun to to be bad, you know. Hey, uh, uh, I'm getting too white for this shit. Speaking of horrors, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, Little Shop of Horrors. Did That's you see right. that movie? Uh, well, I saw the movies. There's one in the fifties, right? And then yeah, the, the old black and white. And the, my favorite actually was the Rick Moranis one with Steve Martin with as Steve a dentist Martin and Bill Murray comes Speaking in. Speaking of teeth, like, candy dentist. bar, candy bar. Should've, yeah, I should have used that as a segue. Shit. Well, you just did. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Drop yeah. that right in. Yeah. Flawless. <laughs> All right, so uh, speaking of Little Shop of Horrors, which dealt with a uh, evil plant that tried uh, taking people into itself, let's talk about a story where a person puts a plant into themselves. Yeah, it's the uh, reverse Little Shop. Yeah, exactly, reverse Little Shop of Horrors. A uh, Colombian woman, 22 years old, actually tried using a potato as contraception. Yeah. Yep, she uh, shoved the potato in there, and after about two weeks, she started getting stomach aches. Uh, abdominal pain, you know, all kinds of lower body discomfort. And when she went to the doctor, what they had found was the uh, potato had rooted inside of her and was growing roots up into her. Yeah. Um, basically, what we take away from this is, number one, don't shove potatoes into your body anywhere. Just, it doesn't your, matter where. Your mouth hole's fine, but you should cook well, it first. But even if you don't, like, you can chew it and digest it, and boom, it's going in the right place. Right. You just make sure they go in your mouth only. Yeah. But you're, like, going, I feel like you're trying to go in the reverse direction. Yeah, That's exactly. The, the sad uh, part of the story is uh, contraception in Colombia is kind of frowned upon by almost everyone. And this is one of the reasons why she did this. Is that like, she couldn't just go out and buy, like, a They don't teach their kids about contraception. They kind so of frown like, upon oh. it. So she was, did she think, like, she was going to use, like, a plug kind of her, thing? Yeah, her parents yeah. basically told her and her grandparents passed that generationally down. Basically, it's a sperm plug. Yeah, like a, like a cork. Like yeah, putting some sour cream on that potato. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, essentially, what we have here is a, a case of uh, don't do that. And um, we need uh, some education on contraception in Colombia. It's kind of appalling that that's the lengths that people will go to. Well, yeah, just because yeah. you know, because when I first read, I was just like, I was like, how could somebody think like that doesn't make sense? But then, as I read a little bit more into it, I realized it was because of the 
the lack of education about that stuff. And especially when it comes down from a trusted source, why the hell not? I mean, if somebody said, you know, put this rubber thing on there and you'll, you know, people, those people, people that don't know about it might think that's crazy. Yeah, what's crazier? Yeah. You know? And actually, I mean, you consider like, you know, diaphragms and uh, uh, the dental dams and all it's that. It's just an organic weird, diaphragm. You know? It's a hippie fram. Yeah. <laughs> Did I just coin a word? <laughs> One that I... Not really worth. Using let's let's yet. spread this one around. Let's 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 talk the hippies how, next when, time we see them. When do you think? It's, how often do you think that's going to come up? <laughs> I think if it's brought up, just, it's going to come up as much as you want it to. Okay, so you're going to have to like just find a group of hippies and be like, "Who wants to talk about contraception?" Huh? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Oh, hey, I've got a word for you. Hippie fram. Yep. And they'd yeah. be like, "What's a hippie fram?" And be like, "Well, it's a potato." Let me that you, you need to probably tie a piece of string around yeah, and retrieve yeah. after each use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need the rescue button. We'll, one, we'll one up cord. Columbia on yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I feel like if you got the ripcord so you can get it out, then it wouldn't have caused it. But it was more like, not so much that like the potato was poisonous or anything, it just it started rooting, right? Yeah. And like actually growing. Yeah, right. actually, yeah. actually growing, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. that's as opposed to just being up there, it was probably like, well, you know, just a piece of... Potatoes stuck yep. in a pussy. Burr, I'm in. Burr, 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 burr. Just a potato and I'm stuck in a vagina. Better than anus, yeah. Oh. It smells better than a butthole, but it is a vagina. Doodly do, 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 just potato in a vagina. Potato wow. in a vagina will return after these messages. Yo, potato in a vagina, the soundtrack, yo. Uh, uh, kick it. Just a potato up in a pussy. I don't like that anus no more. Uh. Wow, you just took all the steam out of my uh, my, my. Oh, did you have a retort or a quote? no? No, you just you took all the steam out of my root cellar joke that I thought of. Oh, I like <laughs> do you do you want to press the button and do it to a beat? Will no, <laughs> not at this point. I mean, there was no beat. I just realized in my head that you keep potatoes in a root cellar and then the oh, pussy okay. can you be called said it a root and then I cellar. Cut it in before and... my my steam steam pulling root cellar, yeah. root cellar down there in dark Helen Keller. Oh, okay, Helen <laughs> Keller now there. Yeah. There was an actual blind person. I'm uh, actually. Did, I, Are you a truther? Are I'm Helen, Helen Keller, Keller truther. truther. Yeah, I don't, wasn't blind. I don't believe she was ever blind. I or believe that she or, was uh, looking for attention. Yep. Yep. I'm taking a firm stance on Helen Keller on this show. Yep. Looking for attention because she was blind. I thought looking for it. <laughs> she just could never find that yeah. attention she was looking yeah. for. Helen was... Keller stumbling for attention. <laughs> yeah, coming this fall after potato in the pussy. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Not going soon, down there. Soon okay. to be renamed after the pilot, Root Cellar. <laughs> Root Cellar, yeah. yeah. I don't know, guys. Here at CBS, we love the concept of uh, a live anthropomorphic potato growing inside of somebody and having their own sitcom, but Full potato of in the pussies just isn't the CBS way. A root Cellar, fuck it, sure. Yeah. CBS. The potato's got a lot of opinions, you know, and it, yeah. it speaks out very broadly about uh, Helen Keller as a, you know, yeah, not blind person. A lot and, of really political yeah. stuff goes on, because yeah. potatoes, man, potatoes are people too. Yeah, this potato votes Republican, but uh, it's pro-choice. Yeah. It's very confusing. It is, yeah. You know, it's up there, so it's pro-choice. It can't not be. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you'd be a total hypocrite to be a plug for, against, you know, that's, that's ma- true, man, man true, spunk yeah. and well, then I mean, I still guess, vote Republican. Yeah, yeah, I guess more the contraception, yeah, kind of. All right, angle. I think we just fleshed out our NBC lineup for this fall. Yeah, I think we got. Didn't it. we? What do we got? We got Judge Fuckers. We got uh, Undercover Sting. Uh, uh, no, Prostitution Sting. Prostitution Sting. Yep. We got a uh, Root Cellar. We had one and, last week. Oh, we? we had one last week. It was a good one too. Oh gosh, darn it! Well, we had the Instagram baby thing. Uh, right? Was that it? I think maybe. I don't or, know. or it was an offshoot of that or something. We couldn't 
We couldn't decide if it was going to be a drama or a comedy. Hey, or everyone, guess what? We got our old Twitter back. Uh, we're going to remind you of that again, just to let you know that if you go to at the Lost at Home and come up with names for our shows, and particularly the one we can't remember, uh, we'd love to hear it. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll make some new shows up based on names you guys come up with. So shoot us names for new NBC fake fall shows. Uh, let's use a hashtag, Jer. What do you think? Uh, hashtag um, NBC pilot. Okay. That won't be used by anyone else. <laughs> the thing is, I would love to see people like really looking for that, and it really does come up with mostly NBC pilots, and then every once in a while, one of ours in there. <laughs> yeah, people so are like, if you like, have... I like that, and we actually get called by NBC, but like, hey actually, guys, actually use a use a dual uh, dual hashtag. Go NBC pilot, and then uh, hashtag root seller. Okay. And when we find those two together, we'll uh, we'll look for them. Yeah. But otherwise, you're just going to confuse the people over at NBC who are working <laughs> hard this fall. Yeah. Ooh, who who greenlit judge fuckers? <laughs> <laughs> oh man judge fuckers alright I believe uh, you have the next story probably do I think this is uh, well I'm going I'm go- kicking on up oh this one's uh, very akin to the movie Anaconda yeah this I'm horror movie this about one. a giant snake in the uh, Amazon yeah that Ice Cube fought didn't Ice Cube kill it or ice, is it Ice Cube was in the first one I don't know he's in one of them you know he was in the first one he was original yeah. he was did original. he rap in it Ooh, I wonder if he had like an anaconda. Probably he probably did like the last the outro song. I'm just thinking like Ice Cube in a swamp. Ice kill. Oh shit, I can't even rhyme. I didn't think you that got, would do it all. Wait. <laughs> you got five words into it. You didn't get your second line out. Gonna kill the snake in this swamp. Nothing rhymes with swamp, but I'm gonna kill the snake. Name is Jake. Normally Ice Cube. Like the name Snake better than Ice Cube. <laughs> yep, that's good. Yeah, you know, uh, if you rhyme with the same words you use initially, I think that shows a level of uh, professionalism. Yeah, or just uh, running out of ideas. God, we should just not air this entire show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How far in are we? Can we just start over? <laughs> I 27 minutes, we're fine. Uh, uh, oh yeah, so snakes, right? Alright, so... um. This one, I'm sticking with the animal theme for a second here. This uh, like anaconda, cool. you know, animals. Yeah, in horror. Yeah. Uh, this, there. Okay, uh, this was in. In. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just had uh, to get that out. Uh, diced snake soup is mm. apparently a delicacy in China, and mm. it's really sought after in like high tier restaurants. Miraki. Mm, um, so there you go, and uh, <laughs> you can't go a show without racism and stereotypes. No, we can't. So, this chef was preparing some diced snake soup, apparently with cobra, which I just feel like is terrible. Um, and he that's someone cutting was... a snake up to order. Oh, that's you. You're walking, like leaving. Like, no, no, you... no, no. I'm a chef. I'm cutting the oh, snake up. I'm... Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm very. I'm, I'm glad uh, I've got that to help my story. Oh, snake is up. <laughs> What up? What up? So snake he ready. decapitated the, the snake. We could use the body and leave the... the I'll use the body. And he threw the uh, the head away. I'd keep the head. In. And then <laughs> 20 minutes later, he ended up getting attacked by the head of the snake. Wow. Uh, 20 Ow. minutes after Jesus he decapitated Christ. it. So cause, uh, apparently the patrons of the restaurant heard him screaming, which could have, I mean, in my head, it's kind of funny. Just like, oh, snake. Oh! Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, I could, it could be sitcom-y, although it's kind of tragic. The guy ended up dying, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, the venom was still obviously part of the snake and killed him because uh, the only thing that would have helped was some pretty decent. How did venom. it bite him? Was he like reaching into the trash to get like a chopstick he dropped, and then like the head was in there and it clamped onto him? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I don't know if they actually um know how exactly that happened because I think it was the reports were just like from the restaurant. They heard him screaming, went out like to try to get him, and he was like already had been bitten. They tried to rescue him, but the people showed up too late, and the only thing that would have saved him was anti-venom, and it came too late for it before, you know. Oh, that, that. sucks. Um, That's really so, sad, actually. But but it, it, apparently, wow, because... Wow, way to bring the show down, Because here. the, um, oh, oh, like, a rapping hasn't been bringing... This is the fucking <laughs> step up from any rapping we've done. People are getting happier because of the, the dead... Uh, the lack of beats. Yeah. <laughs> and me. Um, so... Because uh, snakes' metabolism is slower, uh, I guess their internal organs remain functional for a while after they die. Kind of, I guess probably like chickens or something. I don't know if it's because of metabolism for chickens or just because they don't need their head because they're stupid. But the fact is, this thing, you know, beware. If you've decapitated a snake, it may come back to bite you. Okay. That's a, that's a good cautionary tale. Yeah. I like that. And also anaconda. Ice cube, baby. Boom. Ice cube. Rapping about ice cube. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Please. At this point, I'm waiting for you to, like, slap my hand the next time it goes towards the uh, the soundboard. I might just actually ruin that nice piece of equipment there, and then it's like a $400 you just break I'm it gonna... over your knee so I can't use it yeah, again. Yeah, throw it out the window. All right. I could um, just unplug it, but I'm going to throw it out the window. Okay. Um, now, um, a few weeks ago, actually, this is probably about two months ago now, uh, we brought you a story about a guy who uh, basically did a Facebook post about the purge. And it turned into this whole fiasco where people really thought there was a purge happening in this small town. And the top thing uh, trending on Twitter that week was, or that day, in Mexico and the U.S. was, like, uh, pray for the purge, you know, pray for the people who are victims of the purge, etc. And it was amazing. And since then, it's actually happened multiple times, including one real situation where someone got hurt. Uh, Someone tweeted out, and I'm looking to see if I have the actual tweet here. And this was after uh, the sequel to the purge came out, Purge Anarchy. Uh, Jared, did you see that yet? I'm not, no. I watched that the other night. It was actually pretty good. I, well, I, 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 like, I enjoy both Purge movies. I, I like the first uh, Purge movies, and I uh, like the concept enough. It's one of those franchise-type concepts that can you can make a bunch of them, and they're always going to be interesting because the concept itself is interesting, not necessarily even the implementation. Yeah, so basically someone uh, tweeted out about, like, wouldn't it be kind of funny if, like, the Purge happened at Six Flags, essentially? Funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just some <laughs> idiot watching the Purge, too, and he just made this random tweet. It was a... Uh, uh, basically what happened is people read that tweet and then went to Six Flags and started a purge. Yeah. Uh, a gang of teenagers essentially went there and started beating up people. And out of that, a 15-year-old teen was beaten by the mob and had to go to the hospital. Oh, dear. Kids were heard chanting at this thing, purge, 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 oh, all throughout part. the evening. And uh, People, it's just a movie. Yeah, it, it's just kind of sad. It's like... Um, Okay, here's the tweet. Someone on Twitter asked, what if a psycho started killing people at Six Flags and everyone else thinks it's part of the Purge theme? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't even understand it. I don't get this mentality. I mean, people think they what they write on social media is funny and witty, but sometimes assholes and idiots and violent psychopaths take this seriously. So there was literally a gang of people who organized and purged a Six Flags. That, yeah, that's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, come on. Like we, it's just a movie. The Purge isn't real. And the problem is, is like that, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who watch movies, play video games, stuff like that, are not actually 
violent. Like, they're, they're not the people who are going to be like, oh, it's a good idea, and go do it. So it's clearly, like, psychological issues of people to do that. And mob, too and mob because, mentality. Because the first thing people are going to do is, like, blame the movie. I almost, one of the, um, it was actually too depressing of a story, so I didn't actually bring it up, was uh, another one I almost brought up was, some, like, a teen in uh, Great Britain who recently... The Dexter and, thing? Yeah, killed and yeah. discovered somebody based on, like, de- their love of Dexter. And their, I had that in my show notes, too, and it was yeah. a bit of a downer. But since the this story's a little the, bit of a downer, headline, we can bring it in. Yeah, yeah, the headline was, like, really, like, horrific. And I was like, okay, you know. He killed, like, the only girl who befriended him because he was yeah. autistic and weird. And, yeah. like, she was the only person to befriend him. Yeah. And she stuck up for him against bullies and stuff. And at the same time, like, he went all Dexter on her because yeah. he loved the show and wanted to recreate it. But if he really loved Dexter that much, he would have killed a criminal. And obviously, this girl was, like, a good person. Yeah, like, clearly. If he had gone and killed a criminal, we wouldn't be having this talk. We'd be like, oh, wayward autistic kid does a little bit of good for the world in the wrong way. Yeah. Just but like Dexter. That's, that's not how it happened. No. So that's, like, a mini – that's a mini dropping right there. Now, uh, to get off that somber note, I love this next story you had. It was actually in my notes. I just wasn't sure if I wanted to use it today. Um, I'm really <laughs> glad you pulled it up. Um, it's uh, from a – how long ago? Like, not that long ago, like two weeks ago, right? Well, yeah, I almost brought it to last week's show. Yeah, it's um, a little – slightly dated now, but well, I still. Mean, sort of. I mean, this it's it, it went into <coughs> went into place on the 1st, right? That we yeah. we're talking about, the uh, zombie preparedness month. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's the thing is I, I figured like last week, it, I almost brought it up because we aired the show on the 1st, but I decided it could wait a week. Um, the Kansas governor actually signed a proclamation, um, I think the last week of September, designating October Zombie Preparedness Month. Now, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of, you know, a cool little fun idea. But the point is, is kind of like pointing out that if you can survive a zombie apocalypse and you're prepared to do that, then you can be prepared for, say, things that are a little bit more realistic. Like if there's like Ebola, you know, or or some huge like even like natural disasters, like if stevie floods, wonder like that. was sighted i know wait sighted <laughs> yeah like, like it's see oh uh, <laughs> not like you saw stevie wonder like there he is quick to the bunker <laughs> i love the way you took that i didn't even think of that that's what well, that's like, like pictured him like a bigfoot or something you know so uh the yeah i, I don't know why but um <clears throat> so many blurry pictures of stevie wonder yeah Mainly selfies he took himself. <laughs> <laughs> Selfie is just like his right shoulders. <laughs> oh, good lord. Oh, I want to start an Instagram account that's nothing but Stevie Wonder <laughs> selfies. selfies. And they're like just pictures of like your shirt and your shoulder and the wall behind you with oh, like your <laughs> ear. <laughs> you know, I got like just one with just purely just clearly like the lens cap was on or the iPhone uh, look, camera was turned Look later the wrong today way. for a uh, Twitter account called Stevie Wonder Selfies. <laughs> oh, It'll just be uh, just be pictures Those of things. Those truthers, man, they'll jump on you. Most of the time, the camera won't even be rotated to face you. It'll no. just be like pictures away from you. Yeah, exactly. You can see a little bit of like your arm in a little bit of the camera in like a reflection somewhere, yeah. so you can tell. Uh, so back to Kansas. Um, if you ever need to survive, like a. A sighting of uh, Stevie Wonder or something along those horrific lines, we uh, you'll be prepared. And at first, I thought that's just kind of a cool, fun idea, anyway. But then I noticed that the um, ksready.gov, KansasReady.gov site, um, actually has like a page devoted to it, and I, they've got all these like uh, activities and stuff like that, including a uh, I believe it was a zombie run slash lurch. Um, happening on October twenty fifth. I a love a good other... lurch. So Zombie Preparedness Day. Is happening uh, on October 25th if you're in Kansas. And it makes sense, I realize, in Kansas for this to happen because 
they they actually do suffer, you know, some natural disasters that we don't worry about so much. You know like what else makes sense and, to do this yeah. in Kansas? That, There's nothing else to do in There's Kansas. There's nothing else to do in Kansas. But it sounds like a damn fun thing to do. Uh, so you could actually go get, like, zombie preparedness kits. And apparently you have to, like... Um, there's a zombie preparedness challenge or something like that where you you make a kit out of the stuff that they have available and try to, like, be prepared and survive this zombie run and zombie lurch. It's really to hopefully prepare people in a fun way for some actual disasters, but creating fun. And, of course, it's October, so it makes sense to do that. So kudos to Sam Brownback, the governor, who has very few other things to be kudos about because he's kind of a nut job. But. And to connect that story, um, there's also in November in Kansas Autism Awareness Month. It's very similar with the uh, rising rates of autism. They're actually worried about a uh, a full-fledged takeover. And they actually have uh, autism kits, <laughs> autism races. Really? <laughs> it's the, all designed to keep people in Kansas safe when the uh, the rate of autism hits past 51% the, uh, the and suddenly they become the majority. Yeah. 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 Uh, the races are a little slower. We're all in spectrum um, somewhere. Come there's uh, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of fun activities. I'm, I'm on there's, there. There's uh, the pin the tail on the autism Okay. You don't even know what it is. Yeah. It's like this abstract concept. Yeah. It's like a, it looks like a microbe. Yeah. Oh, and then fucking Stevie Wonder showed up and did a great job. How do you pin the tail on the autism well, when you can't see, buddy? That's why, that's why it looks so abstract. Stevie Wonder did the actual art for the uh, autism. Oh, he designed it. He designed what autism looks like. Yep. He used, uh, used his third eye. And everybody's like, yeah, probably. I With know. three eyes. Fuck Shit. You'd think he could see really well. Yeah, sweet. Let's go watch Wizard of Oz because we're from Kansas. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was thinking of Wizard of Oz this whole time. I didn't know how to bring it in. Yeah, I just threw it in as a. Stereo. I don't know very much about people from Kansas because when he like reverse, boring, so. well, he could be on Wizard of Oz, like a remake. Steve I mean, like, Wonder? why wasn't he in the Wiz? Like, you know, I need a heart. I need a brain. Give I me need eyes, eyes. <laughs> Somebody. How <laughs> can Stevie Wonder want it on the stage? We'll keep it. We'll goddamn keep it. Just follow the yellow brick road. I can't fucking tell if it's yellow. <laughs> oh shit! Stevie's down the black brick road. You know where that leads? Ah, oh, yeah, certain death and autism. Yep. Yeah. Uh, off a cliff into that. Oh god! Uh, start <laughs> getting getting worse here. Uh, so that's zombie preparedness month, everybody. Yep. So um, we should go out on the show here, letting people know a few things that maybe we talked about at the top of the show, maybe we didn't. Um, if you go to our uh, new webpage, which is up and running and awesome. Go to lostandownpodcast.com. You'll see an Amazon link, and if you make any purchases on Amazon, we get a small kickback, and it costs you nothing and affects you in no way, shape, or form. Yeah. And it's going to help us, especially with the new show we're doing. Buy some random shit on Amazon at some point anyway, so just make sure that when you're drunk buying stuff that you don't need on Amazon, click on that link. We're about three weeks away now from launching our new podcast. It's Mm going to be the new horror podcast with Darren Ewing. Um, We're going to keep the title secret for the moment. And let's see what else. Uh, our Twitter's back up and running Yay, proper, so it. tweet us at the Lost at Home, and we will talk back to you. We will get to know you. We will share your little things you say to us on air. In fact, yep. and uh, make sure to go to iTunes and leave us five star reviews. It helps us on iTunes. We're trying yep. to get on the new and noteworthy page. So come on, people, yeah. we can do this if we all work together. Yeah, we're gonna get like on the third year. We're gonna get on the new and noteworthy page. Yeah, well, you know, people who've been on uh, podcasting for a couple of years still try. I mean, yeah, I there's yeah. always a chance. Yep. Um, we're no longer new, but we're still I see some uh, with 20 we're still fresh. On there. I see some with two. You know, we're definitely right fresh. That's weird. one thing we are. So uh, fresh. So, so fresh. fresh. Rap, so, rap, rap, uh, rap, so rap, fresh. rap. I'm rapping about rap. Talking about my freshness. Rap, it's rap. so fresh. Yeah. It's fresh. I like sun raps and rip raps and riff rap. This is what I do. That. Kicking it like I am homeschooled. Doody doo. 
duty in my pants. Stevie Wonder can't see. Guess who can see? I can see. See that Stevie Wonder can't see. Yeah, take that, Stevie Wonder, huh? I wonder how you ever got so famous. Wonder how you ever ate that Wonder Bread in your anus. Nice. Ah. Well ah, done. See how I... I did. Uh, All right, so we should go out, huh? Yeah. Have a good week. Lady, y'all. Uh, Have yeah, a good week. Yeah. Ha, ha, Have a good ha. week.